All right, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be there for a while. If you don't have a Bible, borrow one because you're going to pull one off of the seat. You're going to need to follow me, otherwise you're going to be lost. Hallelujah. We thank God for his presence and his anointing in this place. So I thought I was going to be moving on. There were things that I've already been preparing for to speak. Move on to a deeper part in the theme. And as I was spending a t- time in prayer, all of a sudden, since the anointing of God come on me, he hijacked me right back into what I've been talking about but going deeper. And so I'm his, forever his. Let's just go into this. We're talking today about Jesus Christ, the life-giving Spirit. Jesus Christ, the life-giving Spirit. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 is where we're starting. Hallelujah. So Lord, open our hearts. Cause this to resonate inside of us. Become a reality that we just walk into and walk, it walks into us. Do it, God. So, verse 45. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust so are also those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall also we bear the image of the man of heaven. These verses are found in the clear teaching of the Apostle Paul, refuting all of the arguments against uh, that are counter to the hope of the gospel as a future physical resurrection of the dead. But within these verses is a statement that reaches beyond just the focus of the physical resurrection, which we absolutely believe in and we absolutely look forward to. But it reveals something incredible about the Lord Jesus Christ and his role in our life right now. This statement I believe the Holy Spirit would have us focus on today, and I believe next week as well, and that's in verse 45, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So it says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So the scripture speaks of the first human being, Adam. The scripture also speaks of the last Adam. What does it say about the first of mankind, Adam? The first man, Adam, became a living being. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, And the man became a living creature or a living being. Alive, 
with the breath of God within him. What does it say about the last Adam? The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Notice it says, became a life-giving spirit. That speaks of a process. We're going to talk about that not this week, but next week. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Not just one who has the breath of God in him, but one who is able to impart and release life. And today I pray that this reality begins to burn in our hearts. So, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. We know who the first Adam is. He was created in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 1 says God made him, created him in his image and likeness. And then Genesis 2 says he formed for him this physical housing from the dust of the ground. So we know who the first Adam is. Who is the last Adam? Well, I know you all know the answer. It's Jesus Christ. He is the last Adam. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, it says, For in Adam all die. So in Christ all will be made alive. So let's keep reading. It says, Thus it is written, first the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. Not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The spiritual is that which relates to the spirit realm, the realm of heaven. The natural is that which relates to the physical realm, the realm of earth. The spiritual doesn't come first. There's an order. First the natural, then the spiritual. First is in time, place, order, or importance. In regards to God's purpose and destiny for human life, there is an order of things. First the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was created in the image and likeness of God. We said Genesis 1, formed from the dust. We said in Genesis 2, his origin was the earth, his substance was dust, and his whole orientation and personhood was defined as a physical being on this earth. Let me say that again. His whole orientation, his whole personhood, his whole sense of identity was defined as being a physical person of the earth. The second man, the second man, was sent by God. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. His origin was heaven. Jesus said in John 8, verse 23, You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. The second man, Adam, was not orientated to this earth. He talked to Nicodemus. He said, you guys speak about earthly things. I came from heaven. I talk about things that I've seen. 
He said to Pilate, My kingdom's not of this earth. If my kingdom was of this earth, then my soldiers would be doing battle for me. He was completely not earth-orientated. First man, Adam, was of this earth, the physical realm. Second man, Adam, was of heaven. Let me just keep reading from John 8, 23. He says, you're from below, I'm from above, you belong to this world, I do not. I told you that you would die in your sins unless you believe that I am, and some of your translations will have the word he in there, but he is actually not there. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am, you can look at me, you can see me as a physical person, but I'm not just here as a physical person. God is in me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am. God has come to this world. God has come to redeem mankind. God has come to visit. And unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. You can believe that I am a moral man. You can believe that I am a prophetic man. But unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. There was a whole lot more to Jesus than met the eye. Luke 1 verse 35, it says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is the angel speaking to Mary. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born in you will be called Holy, the Son of God. In John 3 verse 6, Jesus said, That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit. So he came in the flesh. He was absolutely man. But there was more to Jesus than met the eye. Why does this scripture refer to Adam and Jesus as the first man and the second man? Let me just make a comment on that. Because Adam was the first living soul on earth. But because of sin, he died. And everyone else after him was born dead. The second man to come on the face of the earth who was living was Jesus Christ. Let me do that again because you guys orientate yourself to biological life. That's not the life that God's talking about at all. You walk in a world where many people are dead. They are simply biological beings. You are not, and you need to learn that. But the first man, Adam, he was born alive. But because of sin, he died. And everyone else after him on the face of the earth was born dead. Because of one man's disobedience, sin and death came upon this earth. All men die. Everyone's born dead. You were dead in sin. The second man to come on the earth who was alive was Jesus Christ. The first man, Adam, was a living being. The second man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. Now, I'm making you think a little this morning. Go a little bit further. So why is this important? Because the first time you were born, you were a descendant of Adam. His origin was of the earth, and his substance was of the dust. Your whole orientation and personhood 
was defined as a physical being on the earth. The first time you were born, you were raised relating to your surroundings through the use of your physical senses. You relied on your natural mind, your natural reasoning, your human will, your human strength. The first time you were born, you were occupied with satisfying your physical and psychological cravings, finding pleasure through your physical senses. You grew up under a world system that fully catered to who you were as a physical earth being and was designed to keep you trapped there, never coming to the realization that you were created for more. The God of this world sought to blind your minds so that you would never see the glory of who you were created to be, the greatness of your Father's love for you, Never see the glory of who you were created to be radiating from the person and shining from the face of Jesus Christ. The God of this world was not, not fearful of you seeing Jesus as some great religious figure, someone who should be worshipped and venerated, someone who we should hold religious services and traditions to commemorate. But the enemy fears if you ever see the glory of who you were created to be, the glory of your Father's love, the glory of the second Adam, who is the very image and likeness of who you were created to be. Who walked in the fullness of your calling as and entered into the fullness of your destiny? Should you ever recognize and realize who you really are, the enemy is terrified. Why is this important? Because the second time you were born, the second time you were born, you were born of God. You were born from above. You were born again by the Spirit. Your spirit was made alive unto God the second time you were born. You live right now in an Adamic physical body which may somehow disorientate you as to who you really are. But this physical body is temporary. You owe it nothing. It is just simply a temporary place of occupancy until you arrive in your final body. The spirit living in you now is the spirit of resurrection life. The down payment of heaven. The guarantee towards a brand new body that is immortal and destructible. And the guarantee of a future which is glorious and unfading. You live in a world system. And you've been sent into that world system. You're not supposed to hide from the world. You're supposed to step out into the world and shine with the light and walk with the power of the life that is in you. You live in a world system. You've been sent into the world, but you are not of this world. Nor are you to love this world system or the things of this world system. You are to seek those things that are above. That is your home. That is where your citizenship is. You're to set your affections on things that are above, not on things of this earth. 
You can read the dashboard of your thinking, your emotions, and your responses to know where your orientation is. If you are addicted, bound, attracted to the things of this world that appeal to your physical senses and pleasures and satisfying your physical cravings and appetites, your affections are not set on things above. You are living as a person on this earth, as though you were just a firstborn, not a secondborn. If you are carrying in your heart anger, bitterness, wrath, strife, envy, jealousy, you are a first living as a firstborn even though you've been secondborn. If you are caught up in the affairs of this world, entangled in the affairs of this world, not seeking the increase of His glory and the advancement of His kingdom, so that if we were to take a look at your daytimer, we would see it is self-interest and earthly orientation which is really dictating your life, not the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You are firstborn, not secondborn. You were coming for a pleasant, encouraging sermon this morning, weren't you? This is actually where we're going is incredible. So Colossians 3, 1 to 3, If you've then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections there, not on things of the earth, because you're dead. Your life is hid with Christ and God. And then when Christ, who is your life, we're going to get there, when Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life shall appear then shall you also appear with him in glory who you are right now it doesn't yet appear behold what love the father has for us this is now first john chapter three behold what love the father has for us that we should be called the sons of god and that is what we are but does not yet appear but when he appears we shall be like him for we shall see him just as he is. So who you are is not apparent by how I look at you if I simply perceive you with my natural eyes. Who you are is far greater. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven where we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body. This is important. Why? Because if you've been born the second time, the new life within you must be allowed to emerge. It must grow, develop, and mature. It must not be stifled or suppressed. Now, baptism establishes the marker. Once you were dead. You were dead in sins. But then through faith in Christ, you were made alive. Publicly you declared. Before principalities and powers and before human witnesses, you declared that you were crucified with Christ. That He died for your sins, therefore you died. You were crucified with Christ through baptism into His death. So that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so now you will walk in the newness of His life. 
dead to sin, but alive unto God, dead to this world, and citizens of heaven. If you embrace this by faith, there is a complete shift of identity and orientation from the old to the new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't. And all things are of Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Yeah, I could have gone on with the verse, but I chose to stop there. Your complete identity and orientation shifts from old to new. From seeking things and setting your affections on things in the earth realm to seeking things and setting your affections on the things above. You died to the world system and its power to mold your thinking and to secure your loyalty. Your current citizenship and your future destiny are all oriented towards heaven. And let me declare to you, the kingdom of heaven is here. If not, if that orientation, if that shift does not take place, even though you have come to a place of faith in Christ, you continue to think and act the same as though you were just firstborn. As though you were just physical and of this world. The principle of sin and death in the members of your body will continue to assert its dominance within you because you are not learning how to tap, grow, and mature the spirit of His life within you. And it's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the principle of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets me free from the law of sin and death. And so, even though you have the potential within you, you have the power of His life within you, you are not tapping it. It's not connecting to the way that you live. So if not through sexual immorality, through lustful thoughts, through pornography, then through a life of pursuing things instead of God to a life caught up in the concerns of the world rather than in the kingdom of heaven, to a life which is defined by manipulating others in circumstances, holding on to anger and hatred to those who get in your way or don't give you what you think you're entitled to, to senseless arguments, to resentments, when others are favored, to temper tantrums, to angry quarrels, to only thinking of yourself, to being in love with your own opinions, to being envious of the blessings that others receive, to speaking things that are slanderous, to uncontrolled addictions, and all kinds of other similar behaviors which simply represent that you are living as a firstborn earth 
self-centered, physical-orientated person rather than a person of the Spirit who understands and knows the power of the life of Christ within. And this is what Galatians 5 verse 21 says. All who do such things, all who live in such a way, cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's stop for a second because very easily, kind of within our religious mindset, we can go, oh, that means they go to hell instead of heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is, the whole reality of the kingdom of heaven is available to you. And we haven't even gotten there talking about that whole reality yet. But the whole reality of living in the kingdom of heaven where God is active and God is present, His power is at work, and your life and everything within your life is being affected by that so that you are reigning in life and nothing is having dominance over you so that your life is expressing the life of God and everything within your life is bringing into alignment with His goodwill and the way that He created you to be so that your life is having an influence and a blessing and it's changing the environment around you. The whole realm of living in the kingdom of heaven where you know a solid connection with Him and you are being led and guided by Him and you are fully trusting and seeing the results of His provision and His protection with you and your life. That whole realm of living in the kingdom of God is completely foreign to you. Because even though it's yours to access, unless you make the transition and come to understand it's no longer you who live, but Christ that lives in you. Understand you are not the old. You are not the firstborn. You are the, uh, of the second Adam. You, you are of the new creation. Your citizenship is not here. You are not of this world. This world is not your home. Who you are is not this physical person on the outside. And what you want to see grow and nurture and develop is not this person who appears to everyone, but the inner man. Unless we make the shift, we can't enter into that reality. We can't enter into that reality. Why is this important? Because I heard the gospel. I responded to the gospel. I did something, said the sinner's prayer, did something, came to a place of faith in Christ, truly believed that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose again from the the grave, and that he's coming again, truly did that. But instead of my life making the shift, and now I'm becoming completely reorientated to a new life that's come to live inside of me, I become orientated around religious activities and traditions that are centered around the life of Christ, celebrate the person and the work of Christ, look forward to the second coming of Christ, but I never experience the power of the life-giving Christ within me. Because of this, I read the Scriptures and my natural mind receives all of the teachings and I am able to gather in solid scriptural information. 
solid scriptural concepts, but my spirit is not touched. No life is imparted. No revelation is received. The heart is not enlightened. No creative power is received or released. No inner transformation takes place. I cannot receive that reality. The things of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit would impart to me are for the Spirit. Therefore, the maturing of the life of Christ within. But the Spirit that still orient, the, the person who's still orientated to the natural and the earthly realm, they cannot make sense of the things of the Spirit. They cannot make use of them. Jesus said, the things that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. Do you know what? I actually feast on Jesus' body. My thirst is quenched on Jesus' blood. Oh, that sounds so gory to the natural mind. Offensive. But I understand the spiritual reality in his broken body and his shed blood. And so my spirit hears of his broken body and his shed blood. And my spirit feasts on the reality of what took place because of his broken body and his shed blood. And so for me, this reality is life. It goes into my spirit and it goes into my life. Have you ever noticed that when he speaks to you, it goes right into your spirit and it becomes a part of your life, which is because the one who is speaking to me is the spirit living in me. So what I am hearing, the rhema of His Word is in full agreement with the new life within me and it's feeding that life and it's causing that life to grow until I am, I am becoming what He said to me. I am becoming what He said to me. And in fact, there is a constant receiving of the communion of His Word into my spirit and a constant developing. So there's times when He's speaking to me and I go, God, my mind can't keep up with it. And He said, don't worry about it because it's not your mind that's receiving it and this is coming into your spirit. And somehow in that process, I'm being transformed. Spirit being inside. Spirit being inside. The very life and spirit of Christ. This is one of the things that I've struggled because I have I, I sense a responsibility to make sure that you don't just simply receive things because I say it. So I, I feel a responsibility to make sure that I lay out for you the scriptures. So you're able to examine them as good Bereans to, to be able to know for yourself whether or not I'm speaking to you the truth. And I also understand, and forgive me for saying this, I understand 
the laziness that is prevalent so that you hear what I say, but you don't examine, which is why I will send out to you the notes of what I've been speaking on, even though I haven't gone down for it because I feel a responsibility to make sure that you have that. However, I understand, I'm coming to understand, and and really it's becoming more and more clear to me, I am not speaking to you to impart to you information. I'm not speaking to impart to you information. I'm speaking in order to make an impact that will create transformation within you. It is important that you do examine the Scriptures and search the Scriptures so that you know and you're able to orientate yourself to the truth that's in the Word because it is the solid basis for your faith. But you, you cannot with your natural mind receive what it is that God's delivering this morning. It goes beyond. You have to receive it in your spirit. And I'm speaking to your spirit this morning, and I am absolutely confident that God is raising up in this place an army that is beyond your understanding, in proportions that's beyond, with an influence that's beyond. And quite honestly, I find myself speaking, irregardless of the numbers that here, I find myself speaking to a larger crowd than's here. Because there's something that's being sown. And you say, I don't understand that with my natural mind. I'm not talking to those who are listening to me with their natural mind. I'm talking to those that understand the realm of the Spirit. There is something that is going on here that is far beyond the physical thing that we see. Now God's intention, I'm going to end here, but I'm not done. Because I want to talk about this life-giving Spirit. Right now, I'm telling you that you have to reorientate yourself because if there is not a reorientation so that you understand that this life-giving Spirit has come to live inside of you and you are not the first man, Adam, anymore. You are of the second man. And that there is, there is a whole reality within you. If, you. if you don't make that shift that I've been talking about, what I'm going to say to you next, ain't going to make any difference to you. But God's intention in the creation of mankind was that which began, that that which began in the natural would give way to the spiritual. The first, first creation it would be that of a natural man. Made in the image and the likeness of God. Formed from the dust of the earth and infused with the breath of God. Created to have dominion. This was the first order of things. First, the natural. But God's ultimate purpose was that mankind would be infused with the life-giving Spirit of His Son. So that within us, the very life of the Son would exist. Not just the breath of God making us a living soul, but the very life-giving Spirit of Christ in us making us sons and heirs of His kingdom. Making us, in very nature, children of our Heavenly Father, born from above, born of His Spirit, heirs of His kingdom. This is who we are. This was His ultimate goal. 
And then, having matured, developed and matured the Spirit of Christ within us to that fullness, to then, as guaranteed by the Spirit living within us, to give to us a body that would match who we are. A body that would be immortal, incorruptible, filled with an indestructible life. Heirs of God. Christ coming to redeem us, that was not plan B. That was plan A. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Did I not tell you that the Word was His plan and purpose from the beginning? Plan A. And the Word became flesh. Plan A became... Adam is not plan A. He's just got a name that starts with A. But he's not plan A. He was the first order. But the second man, Adam, is plan A. And you died with plan A. You were buried with plan A. You were raised with plan A. And plan A, having perfected his spirit, rose into glory and poured out that spirit inside of you. You have plan A living in you. You are a chosen generation. That word generation means a brand new stock. It's a completely different stock. If we were talking about plants, we, had, we used to grow corn like this, but now... We've got a whole new, got a whole new line of corn here. Like this is this is this is incredible. This this produces more. This grows more. This is healthier. This is imperfect. Okay, this this new new line. This new generation. That's who you are. You are a chosen generation. That's what the word's talking about. You are a, a brand new seed. You are of a brand new seed. I can go on and talk about this, but let me just finish off by saying one thing that he said to me. He says, I've not come to live in you as a schoolmaster, a strict disciplinarian. That was the job of the law. I have come to live in you as the personification of the Father's love. Oh, what love the Father has. He created you for the Spirit of His Son to live inside of you. I have come to live in you as the personification of the Father's love, the power to overcome the law of sin and death, the power to reign in life, and the guarantee of eternal glory. I'm in it for you. And I'm in you for you. Hallelujah. Are you in it for me? Are you in it for me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to go on and we're going to talk about this more. Hallelujah. But I want you to know that this life-giving spirit, hallelujah, that lives inside of you, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Once you learn to recognize him and begin to draw from him, begin to orientate yourself completely to him, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And none of us are quite there yet. I, I want to do something this morning. I, 
what, what is it that Janine says? I don't do hokey. I want to do something with you because I believe it's kind of walking out a shift. I don't do hokey. I don't really like doing what I'm going to do. But I feel that we need to do something like a fire tunnel this morning. So what a fire tunnel is, we've got two lines of people and we start on one end and we begin to walk through, but there's, there's, it, it's like a passage. That's the sense that I have. It's like a passage where we're affirming one another and say, we see you shifting, shifting your mindset, shifting your orientation, shifting your way of living, shifting your source of power from that which is of the natural that which is of the physical, that which is of earthly, into the realm of the spiritual, that which is born from above, that which is drawing from his power, that which is drawing from his life. Now some of you may say, I don't need that, but you'll do it as we all walk through. So I'd like to do that, and again, no one is ever forced to do. But what I'd like us to do is form two lines up here, facing each other. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're uncomfortable with it, just join me. But just two lines. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 